Sonic State Watchcom. So hello everybody and welcome to Sonic Talk number 195. Back after a break, last week was half term for school related uh, people in the UK. I was uh, spent my week in a caravan in Dorset, which uh, was much nicer than it sounds actually. Um, very, I had a nice break and uh, saw all sorts of wild coastline and the like in sunny Dorset. Well, it's partially sunny Dorset, I should probably say. Um, so anyway, welcome to my live guests. I'm, I'm always pleased to say hello to Rich Hilton from uh, Connecticut, who's over on the other side of the pond, over there in the US. I know uh, the clocks have probably got you a bit befuddled today, or certainly me, because everybody's been kind of in and out of um, uh, time zones. You you haven't switched, so we're, still, we're an hour out of sync, right? Right, right. It's an hour later here on the clock than it would usually be for me to be on a podcast right okay well i appreciate you um it's probably eating into your working day i'm sure you've got lots of great things to do in the studio as is your general um demeanor there's a lot of exciting stuff going on in the studio right now Uh, a lot of it is maintenance and upgrade related Um, right lots of research i'm putting in on uh my Quest for a new digital audio interface. And, oh, really? Uh, sp- actually spent last Wednesday, in your absence, at a uh, wonderful pro audio dealer in New York called Dale Pro Audio, mm-hmm. uh, where I was able to audition three interfaces side by side, clocked together, and uh, make my uh, make my evaluations, which I wrote up about uh, on Facebook. Oh, so uh, what's... Can you give us a... a, a- um, I tested... Uh, the new Avid Omni, the uh, Apogee Symphony, and the Digi 192 as a sort of a familiar reference point. Right, okay. And uh, in short, I found the Apogee to be more desirable than the other two in nearly every circumstance. The other two did very well. Uh, the 192 uh, actually surprised me in some areas where I thought it was better than the Omni, and then was understandably a little less hypey at the extreme frequencies than the Omni, which seeks to be a little more Apogee-like, I think. The imaging, was best, the imaging was best on the Apogee and the 192 for the most part, and the frequency emphasis was probably best in the Apogee and the Omni. And uh, that's my oh, interesting. thumbnail. I shall look forward to that. I'll go and check out your Facebook, um, your Facebook comment because I didn't notice it didn't come through my friend stream, though I have been out of network for a little while. But, uh, oh, well, sounds like you've been busy then and lots of good stuff to come. I always like a bit of research. I'm, I'm constantly doing that at the moment. I'm, um, I'm just I'm working on implementing new video playback technology for Sonic and all of that sort of thing. So we can only use, so we end up just using one type of video and not having to do multiple streaming codecs and all that sort of nonsense. MySpace.com forward slash Hiltonius uh, for rich needs. And uh, I guess Facebook, if um, people can see you, your public stuff without having to follow you. I'm not sure yeah. how it works. Yeah, sure, sure. It's, and it's the same deal, Facebook.com slash Hiltonius. And uh, while we got the chat room here, I must, I must actually say hello to the people in the chat room because obviously we stream this show live, uh, sonicstate.com forward slash live, 4 p.m. UK time, live chat room, and uh, you get to watch me wearing a pair of headphones talking into a mic that's far too big for my face. But anyway, um, uh, I, I, we're going to try something new this week, which is I'm, I'm going to look to the chat room for a, sh- uh, a show title, I think. So keep your ears peeled. I'll ask at the end and you can give us a show title or, or not. We'll see. Anyway, back over this side of the world um, to Dave Spears from g4software.com. How are you, Dave? Hello. I'm all right, thank you. 
Good. And you still got the mic working. It's all, it's all going very nicely then. Marvellous. Yeah. Well, um, let's see where we're starting. Um, I think, um, did anyone check the chords thing out? That was quite interesting. This is, uh, this is uh, I found this on Stereoclang.se, which is a great blog, and it's uh, four chords. Uh, I'll just play a bit of it and see what, you, what, it sort of, what it means to you, if anything. Recognise this? Yeah, yeah, it's Don't Stop Believing by Journey. Great song. Great song. Yeah, but there's a few more. Listen. My life is brilliant. My love is pure. I saw an angel of this, I'm sure. Wherever you go, whatever you do, I will be right here waiting for you. No one, no one, no one can get in the way of what I'm feeling. Since the way you left me, I'm not pretending. No love, no hope, no glory, no happy ending. Thanks you a few for thought. Now I'm all lonely than before, but that's okay. People killing, people dying, children hurt, women crying. If you practice what you preach, you can turn the other cheek. Well, there you go. That was uh, a, a piece by the chaps from uh, the, Axe, the Axis of Awesome, who are uh, apparently Australia's most tolerated musical comedy trio. And uh, what was quite interesting about that is obviously that they were riffing on four chords and they go through there must be 20 or 30 songs in there that are all based on the same chords which is e b c sharp minor and a uh, i think i might even be able to demonstrate e, e. there we go oh, that's on my uh, that's not the m1 piano that's another uh korg microstation uh, piano sound <laughs> but anyway um and I don't know. I don't know if everybody had a chance to hear that. But, I mean, we obviously have got to a situation where, you know, people say it's the same four chords. And I I thought when I was watching this that I might feel really depressed. But actually, it was quite the opposite. Um, I don't know if you you guys had a chance to listen to it. but uh, I I have heard this in the past. I didn't hear it this week, but I've heard that. I have seen those guys perform that little ditty over the four chords before. Do you think it's – do you think it's sort of – it's something that iterates the fact that, you know, basically there is no more originality or does it celebrate the fact that there is actually kind of a lot more than you thought because those are the same four chords and there are a lot of really great songs based around those. And I'm sure there are other chord sequences that could be equally appropriate. When you look at the fact that music, uh, music that's based primarily in major and minor tonalities is being written from a list of a total of 24 major and minor chords, 12 majors and 12 minors. Yeah. And you take the length of time over which that's taken place, which is, uh, well, they were freely transposing shortly after Baroque. So, you know, hundreds of years. Yeah. (laughs) Before we even get into pop music since the mid-50s, you're going to come across patterns that reoccur quite frequently. And for me, like the... The older I get, the more likely I am to be sitting in a restaurant, as I was last night, listening to some song I'd never heard playing over the PA and singing and trying to, for the life of me to remember what song it was from the early 70s that those, this entire arrangement was almost completely ripped from. And my friend across the table and I spent the, much of the meal trying to, trying to gather up what, why is that melody so familiar? 
So it's bound to happen. And yeah, do people listen to other songs and write new songs over those same chord changes? Absolutely. I've been in the room and seen it done. Um, is music since 1955 somewhat, in terms of popular culture, somewhat more harmonically narrow than some of the music that preceded it? Absolutely. They were far more likely to write denser harmonic structures uh, into most typical pop music in the preceding 20 or 30 years to that time. So you take all of that and add it together and you get, yeah, sure, all the stuff sounds kind of familiar. You could sing, you know, a bunch of different songs over over those four chords. And, uh, you know, you could list four other sets of, you know, other sets of four chords over which you could sing a whole other collection of songs. Mm, of course, yeah. I, but I found it quite affirming in a way because, I mean, a lot of it, I mean, some of them were similar, but some of them are actually quite different. And you think, well, that's really interesting, the fact that those relationships can make you feel completely different about the about the combination of the melody and those basic four chords. And that was, I, I, so I found it affirming. And there were lots of really great songs in there as well, you know. I thought it was very interesting, actually. And I've, I've been doing uh, a load of stuff with the Optican recently, which, of course, all of those um, motifs are based on this circle of fifths. Yeah. So it was quite intriguing. Uh, I do wish they hadn't started with that Journey song, which I have to say <laughs> I'm probably in a minority of one by hating. I don't know it really, so I, I couldn't comment, but uh, it did seem mildly familiar. <laughs> it's all from Glee. Oh, is it right? Yes. Mm. Well, anyway, I, I, I know. I kind of, I just thought it was a nice thing. So, if you get a chance to check that out, go to stereoclang.se and have a look. Uh, and there's the E B C sharp minor A. And obviously, you can transpose that into any number of uh, others. Echosonics is G D A A A minor and C, which I'm guessing is the same thing. And well, if I may take a tangentially related note here, please do. Steve Perry, the singer of the original Journey song that makes Dave's Christmas every year, um, <laughs> was seen last week at the baseball stadium in San Francisco cheering on his beloved Giants and leading the entire crowd yeah. in singing Journey songs. There were YouTube oh. videos. Now, I don't know about you, but I haven't seen Steve Perry in 20 years, and I think he's one of the great rock crooners of all time quite frankly. And uh, I thought it was great to see him. People were loving him. He looked great. What you were listening to was the record over the PA, not him, obviously, but seeing him up there leading all these people in this song, it was just a blast to see. And uh, anybody who has any affection for any of the above, more so than Dave, well, check it uh, out. should please check out the YouTube video clip. That, that only reminds me, and I'm sure that that experience is far better than the one where it rained at Wimbledon and uh, Cliff Richard started singing... I don't know Cliff Richard songs, and it was all a bit. It wasn't. It didn't. It didn't. By the sound of it, the journey experience at the baseball game had a far more uh, a deeper resonance with the audience than the Cliff uh, episode did. <laughs> but uh, probably wasn't raining in the living doll. That's right. I was singing living doll. Thank you very much, Jim Jar Jimmy. Damn Jar Jimmy in the chat room. I'm hoping there's going to be a lot of sourcing here. Anyway, that was fun, um, the four chords thing. Um, that was a replacement. There was another topic which we we're going to do this week, but uh, Mark can't make it, so you'll have to look out for that next week, which is a really interesting one about uh, audio hallucination, I suppose, or perception of audio. But that's, I, I guess that could be known as a teaser for next week.
So I was getting a bit mesmerised there. Um, that was actually um, that's a really beautiful idea, and it's called B flat. Well, in B flat two point And what that was is a project by a chap called Darren Solomon. Uh, from a band called Science for Girls and uh, developed with contributions for users from users. And what he did is he decided to figure out, he, he figured out he was embedding some YouTube videos in a page and he realised you could make them quite small and there was no limit to how many you could put in. So he recorded a bunch of sort of, you know, non-rhythmic but kind of ambient things in the same key. It, this is in B-flat, his first version. He did those himself and put them in a grid and you could start them and stop them and play them all at the same time and they would they all kind of work together. But every time you hear it, it's going to be something completely different. I mean, I'm guessing, you know, he said it's actually... Um, it's actually sort of a tribute to Terry Riley, and you know there are all sorts of other kind of influences there. And this uh, in B flat version two has a number of other contributors. He actually plays uh, something called the chromatic aquarium, which is this kind of glass marimba, which is in the position one, which is the top right corner. Uh, made by a, cap, a chap called Jim Doble at Elemental Design. And it's just, I, I just thought it was such a lovely piece. And uh, as soon as I got the link, I think that I, I saw it via, um, uh, Rob, is it Robert Devine? Yes, I think it might. Uh, anyway, uh, and I just thought it was, it was beautiful because every time you play, it's different. You can choose which, which elements you want. And as a sort of, it's almost, I can't figure out whether it's an art piece or a music piece. I know, Dave, you, you, I remember when I sent this link out, you said, oh, that's nice. And, and lots of other people I sent it to said, wow, this is great. So um, what do you think? Do you think this we've discovered? And it's almost like creating a musical instrument on the web. It's bizarre, isn't it? It's a strange concept. It's awesome. And I'm nicking it. <laughs> I'm going to do it with a load of analog synths and stuff. I, I'm definitely nicking it. I sent it straight to Chris, and he just came back going, "Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant." It, it, you know, reminds me of a method of working with a particular band when it comes to the sort of ambient stuff and just improvising, really, but with clips. And no, I was in love with it immediately. Yeah, that Rhodes is awesome, actually. Yes, I didn't play the roads in that clip. I think I was. We were listening to the glass marim. No, we were listening to the guy with the Korg uh, micro Korg or uh, micro XL. And uh, there's a guy with a banjo and an ebo, which is really kind of bonkers. Uh, and I can't remember now. There's a few of them, and there's also some spoken word stuff, and the spoken word stuff is really quite beautiful, actually, and I, I take your point. It is quite similar to that whole kind of way of almost finding something from chaos. Um, it's very I, interesting. The, it, must the have, it, must, it, must be a, it must be a standard method. I mean, Rich, you've studied electronic music and, and what have you. Is it, is it, does it have a name, this way of, of, of composing or putting stuff together, compositing? compositing? Does it have a, is it a, well, I believe uh, it descends from an art movement called montage, yeah. which is kind of how yeah. our whole our whole creative world is structured these days. And you know, GarageBand, Logic, Ableton Live, and all that. So, mishmashing a bunch of stuff together that didn't start out to be together has become all the rage over the last twenty or thirty well, this, years. But this this was designed to be together because it was just sort of said, right, this is this is B flat. So this actually was this, but it wasn't necessarily stupid. Well, that's almost like saying that we're having a conversation if somebody sits in a room and says, okay, everybody talk. <laughs> well, I guess, yeah. There is... Um, but I will say I loved the glass marimba. Yeah, it was lovely, wasn't it? It's, it's fantastic sounding. I love instruments. I like mallet instruments anyway, and I love unique ones like that. It has a really cool sound. Right away, I'm ready to start sampling something like that. I wonder if there's a way that you could perhaps use some sort of control device for controlling the beginning, the start points, you know, starting those uh, those YouTube things. So you could actually, 
you could repeat a performance. I wonder. It's an interesting idea. It's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it, Drop them all into Ableton Live and you can. I suppose you could, yeah. But it, you wouldn't have the visual aspect of it too because there's some lovely – one of the pieces just had um, a load of balloons floating around in a in a – in a kind of cityscape, oh, yeah. which was really pretty as well. Mind you, I think you need a reasonably pokey machine to be able to run them all, because there's what? I think it's six by six, so it's 36 YouTube videos. I don't know whether he's set it up so that you, you know, he's calling the lower quality versions of them just so it doesn't, you know, max out the computer. But I thought it was really nice, and I just like the, I like the kind of, the feeling. I mean, I, t- I played something yesterday and it sounded lovely. I played something the other day and it and you can obviously you can balance all the individual elements by adjusting the volumes of all the YouTube videos. But I, Dave, I think that's a great idea for doing an analog synth one. I'll be up for um, contributing or you know if it's it, uh, or maybe instigate or whatever. It sounds like a lovely idea. Yeah, it'd be really good fun. Yeah. This this sort of pin the tail on the donkey art is only of limited interest to me, I should say. I mean, it really is pin the tail on the donkey. Well, it is. You, you, put, yeah. a, you put a blindfold on a guy, you spin him around, and you tell him to start starting clips. And if you happen to stumble on it's the and and if you happen to stumble on something cool, well, then you become one of those monkeys with the shotguns shooting at the signs who eventually puts Shakespeare on one of them. Did you ever hear that? Right. Thing uh, about yeah, yeah. An infinite number of monkeys with an <laughs> infinite number of shotguns would well, t- eventually. It's typewriters here, but uh, yeah, whatever. You know. <laughs> Same kind of principle, yeah. We have a lot more shotguns over here than we do. <laughs> the typewriters, yeah. They all voted yesterday. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, well, that's that's kind of um, yeah. I, I guess your point, but this is more of an. I mean, this reminds me a little bit of some of that Eno stuff. You know, the music for airports, the thing that's kind of floaty ambient business. And I think you could almost you could tune it. You know, depending on the groups of people you put together, I guess. I don't know, but anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. no, I mean, I was going to say the the underworld guys do things like this between tracks live, so they'll have some poetry and some various um, motifs that are kind of kicking, and they'll just use offsets and stuff like that. So, uh, it's what makes the performance actually quite interesting for me, who know all the songs inside out, because it does give it a kind of unique angle each gig. Uh, Rich, um, I'm referring to your comment in the chat room. If you wanted to use that pull stretch um, algorithm on that uh, particular uh, expulsion, then uh, maybe it could it could sound quite musical and sort of beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, somebody said uh, it's art. If somebody says it's art, and I pointed out that I didn't say it wasn't art, I just said it had limited interest. Well, I, I've always I have a saying which uh, the only difference between art and fart is an F, but um, not that that means anything at all. But yeah, Ken, uh, it's Ken kind just of just said the same. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Well, we obviously we, we obviously have similar minds, Kent. We went to different schools together. <laughs> yeah. But uh, lovely. I, I really enjoyed that, and um, and I, I thoroughly recommend everybody to go there and just try it out because you can make some quite beautiful things out of it. Um, you know, I mean, and it is of the moment. It's not something that you would necessarily want to spend a long time doing, but it. I think I'd be up for doing something like that. Um, oh, gosh, it's half past four. I guess that, that this probably brings uh, is a good time to instigate the uh, the sponsor slot and say thank you. We want to tell you a little bit about Yamaha. Yamaha are, uh, are telling us this week about the Yamaha studio monitors. Uh, um, of course, everybody knows about the NS10Ms and NS10s. I mean, I've got a pair sitting in the other room. They were my main monitors for years and years and years. And, you know, some of the, the, the kind of greatest 90s dance tracks were, were mixed on those things. They have a sort of very specific uh, sound and they, they kind of make you work hard. And uh, the tagline for the uh, HS10 
these new monitors is uh, if your mix sounds good on these it'll sound good anywhere and that's kind of quite true uh they've got the hs50 m's which is a two-way bass reflex biamp with five inch cone three quarter inch tweeter and also the hs80 which is a two-way with an eight inch cone uh and basically um what they're encouraging you to do is you know take your cd or your favorite mp3 or audio source into a store and ask to listen there's quite a lot of um new yamaha pulse stores which are stores within stores this is in the uk i'm not sure whether what happens in the us but i'm sure that you get the same opportunity basically if you go to yamahadownload.com and click on the pulse stores tab you'll be able to find out a place that you can go in and check out these monitors um and they while they're at it this weekend in the uk there's a sort of music live show in birmingham's pmt store which there was going to be a, a full show this weekend but uh, unfortunately the main event got cancelled so I think they're having a sort of smaller version which uh, is going to feature Yamaha artist Martina demonstrating the CP pianos and the S-series synths and also uh, Bert Smorenberg will be in Bristol at the PMT Bristol store on the 19th of November with the Motif XF Uh, and also um, there's quite a lot of interesting case studies now on YamahaDownload.com an article about artists using Motif on the X-Factor and other kind of major uh, TV programmes so if you want to do check out the Yamaha stuff please Please, if you get a chance, go and check out the HS uh, series monitors. Uh, take something in and have a listen to them and see uh, see whether they float your boat, as it were. And once again, we thank very much uh, Yamaha for the continued sponsorship of the show. Uh, much appreciated that they're continuing to support us. Let's see how Shifty incorporates live loop editing using the loop button, cue point juggling, and even turntable-style scratching with the S4's jog wheels, totally remixing the Tetris melody using a loop from Tractor Pro S4's loop library. might not be the most inspiring musical thing but it actually illustrates something quite clear this was of course the native instruments s4 tractor controller which is the kind of new uh, ultimate um, dj controller that works with uh, native instruments tractor as well as other software items it's it's primarily aimed at djs uh it's about 750 quid about a thousand bucks it's not cheap it's got a built-in high-res uh, usb audio interface as well but what was interesting about this and other videos on the site and i think maybe this is what grabbed you rich was the fact that you it's almost as well as decks you can run four decks you've also got loop live looping and live cue pointing so it's actually almost becoming like a hardware ableton if you like it's a very interesting way of maybe triggering loops and being a samplist live and i I thought that was um something that i hadn't really thought about so much on the dj side obviously it's a pretty tasty controller too what was it that kind of grabbed your attention rich it just looked like a really cool way to control devices and be creative in that sort of world to me it, it it expanded their hardware integration with their software products into another area where i think they're going to be strong i know serato's made inroads with uh their scratch program and i've seen people use controllers for that and such and i just think this is a very good uh hardware move for them and it's not unexpected given the other kinds of hardware moves they've been making with the machine uh the drum machine and um I don't know. They're they're just they're obviously getting. It is. They they seem to be revving up for a kind of golden era of native instrument, which is weird because you know maybe six to eight months ago, 
or perhaps a bit longer, there was a sort of, oh, we're not sure what's going on, but they seem to have really kind of tightly focused themselves again and just coming up. There's also the announcement of the, the mouth. And the thing about the S4, I mean, they're very much into the DJ world. I mean, Tractor is one of the kind of, the main um, DJ bits of software for, for people who work on laptop DJs. Lots of controllers for it, um, not only from native instruments. Track, you know, when, when people like Newmark or whatever make a controller, you know, it has to work with Tractor. So they've got that kind of market. And this just really sort of, I don't know, it really, it really kind of got me thinking about using it. You know, you could almost use it for playing back multiple um, stems or whatever and almost performing backing tracks alongside a live band, you know, if you've got a DJ element to it, or, or if not, you know, just a keyboard player. Could you... I know, Dave, did you kind of get, get that from the demo or have you, have you heard anything about the S4? Uh, no, I'm really sorry. This was part of my homework that I didn't do. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, I think the gold star will not be stuck on your forehead today for today's <laughs> show. But it's, uh, it. It, one thing that does um, strike me about this is that it's starting to, it almost feels like it's opening out this controller issue that we've all been, you know, it's like we're all looking for the thing that will work the best, you know, and it seems like there may be going to be separate elements, and this could be one of those elements that could be used to control a number of quite interesting performance-related, almost kind of going back to traditional samples and sampling, because this thing will, not only will it uh, allow you to, to, to trigger cue points on the fly, it allows you to record loops on the fly as well from the master output and various other play and you know obviously in conjunction with software but it's a it's just got a lot to a lot a, it's very deep as far as i can tell i mean i'm not mm-hmm. really dj minded so it's not i can't necessarily comment on the dj side of things right well given what i've seen people doing in videos with just the launchpad stuff and uh various ableton controllers things like that this thing just looks like another really excellent communication tool for those kinds of people who are who are creative in those ways Come in that montage world that they're in it's quite quite a pro, quite pricey for for uh, experimental control i mean we're talking like a thousand bucks i'm sure it'd be cheaper on the streets but you know it's quite a chunk of change yeah well i would think for a guy who does that to get the the controller of doom for you know under 800 bucks on a street price is probably a pretty cool thing hmm. Yeah. If it holds up well, if it feels solid and holds up well, and you can actually bring it to gigs and not be afraid it's going to fall apart on you. Yeah, well, I think that's actually something they've worked quite hard on because, I mean, the DJ world is uh, is almost, you know, you don't generally fly case stuff up. Stuff goes in a bag and it gets tossed in, the, you know, and, uh, of course, the DJ mm-hmm. doesn't generally, you know, unless you're a superstar, you're not generally going to be traveling with a a personal Sherpa to look after all your kit. You know, you're going to be taking it, <laughs> taking it to the after show and falling asleep on it and doing all of those things that you do after a big night in a club, <laughs> I guess. But uh, that guy, uh, was it Shifty? He looked pretty, um, pretty good at this. And there's a whole series of videos just explaining this stuff. They've done a very good job once again of kind of getting what you can use it for. They've, in fact, they on the site there's places you can go, you know, which says you know for the DJist, for the for the controllist. There's all sorts of separate elements that you can you can check out that show you what uses it can be applied for. Yeah, as uh, Crink says in the show in the chat room, they're offering a uh, a custom case for the S4 as well. So I suppose that uh, might. Uh, Solve the problem of um, falling asleep on it and um, drooling into the crossfader or something along those lines. <laughs> yes, it was shifty. DMC Boy. champ. <laughs> but yeah, S4 looks good. I think we're going to start seeing some more, you know, hopefully. I, I'm still waiting. I mean, this has been quite interesting. I mean, maybe this this might um, link in with the, uh, another couple of topics that we've got coming up. Um, one one is, well, I'll go straight to it now, which is the um, this uh 
Keith McMillan soft step. I don't know if you've seen this. This is a, a, a 10 multi-touch controls. It's basically the idea is you have it on the floor and use it as a foot pedal. But it's it's not just a foot pedal because each of the pedals, each of the pads on it has an XY controller that you can you can um, manipulate extra control as well as just switching things on and off. I mean, look pretty good. You could use it on the desktop as well. Did you get a chance to check this out? Anybody? Yeah. Ah, Dave, yeah, well, I, you did. <laughs> Woohoo! I did. I did my homework. Yeah, Keith, Keith McMillan Soft Step, two hundred eighty nine bucks. Um, got a lot of people. I've I've put in a request for review. I really do hope we get hold of one because I was looking at this. They just released released a, a tutorial on how to set the software up, which and I was just expecting it would be really simple, you know, on off, and you could just. But this each of the pads has got this X Y axis control as well as pressure X Y axis control. You can the software allows you to chain sets together and songs together and set lists. It looks really like they've really really thought about how to how to use this, and it, I mean wouldn't necessarily just be for your feet. Like I was saying, you could you know use it with your hands and and all of that stuff. Did you get that sense from it, Dave? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought it was quite intriguing. At first, it reminded me of there was a Philip Reese pedal years and years ago that I had to set up for a band, and it was a terminal nightmare to program. I mean, it could do everything, but it was like, oh my god, when it yeah. came to programming it, I like pro- was it programming it in hex through a two-digit display sort of thing? It was pretty much. Yeah, yeah. this yeah. looks and like they nailed that. Oh no! Please don't let this be the same. But actually, the software interface was was looked really good. Actually, it does look good. Um, just the bullet points of it: ten multi-touch keys control up to six unique notes, continuous controllers, controllers, program changes, bend, MMC, aftertouch, or OSC. It's quite a deep win with OSC as well, which is, seems to be becoming a, a standard that's that a lot of applications are are adopting. Uh, each key is responsive to five degrees of control: X and Y rotation. And pressure. God, that's that's more than I, I initially thought. That's so that's wow. Yeah, five degrees of control. Amazing. Super rugged design. Well, we'll see. I'd love to check that out. Four character alphanumeric display. Uh, just over a pound. USB powered. Works with a computer or standalone with MIDI expander. Connects to popular software applications. Yeah, this this is something that I think could be very very useful i mean you know let your feet have a go at something although i I imagine working on rotation and xy pressure and all that sort of thing with your feet might require some barefoot action which i don't think i'd feel too comfortable on most stages (laughs) but interesting to see a guitarist use it i mean if they're used to using a wire pedal and stuff like that then they might become quite um, adept I'm wondering whether we're going to get time to do this. I feel like we should probably jump to it now. I'm going to miss out the cool MIDI over land stuff because uh, I could ruffle on for that for ages. But our next topic um, is there's been some significant updates. Well, at least Logic has recently had an update, uh, which gives it better 64-bit integration, 12-core Macs, uh, numerous little fixes and tweaks. A bit disappointing. I was rather expecting something a bit more major, maybe... Um, maybe but also sonar x1 has just been announced and that has had a pretty major overhaul whole of the the interface has been really uh, been revamped with this thing called skylight which allows you to move windows around and you know i mean it makes it much more of a professional workflow that you can change uh, the the working environment what have you you know keeping up with a lot of other doors as well but it sort of launched me into the thinking of because when when the guys from sonar came they came a couple of weeks ago and i filmed an interview with brandon ryan um which i'm hoping to put up in the next couple of days uh, about the the new interface and the new thinking behind it and it, it struck me that there's this that there seems to be this kind of issue that happens and it's not just with doors it's with any software that's been around for a very long time the way that it creeps 
has to get bigger and bigger and bigger and more features get added because you've got to kind of keep the people who are in at version one and they want certain features and workflows kept. And I just thought, how the hell, how the hell do you deal with that as a designer? I mean, I, I guess, Dave, it's not so much of an issue for you guys, but you must be aware of how this could happen. And how, how do you com combat this? And how, what do you think the best approach is to actually make sure that, you know, the, the, the door moves and keeps up with what's coming out because you get things that come out that don't have any history that can be fast and nimble. I mean, what it just struck me as an interesting area of conversation. Or maybe not. Maybe you can enlighten, enlighten me or contribute. Bottom line, listen to feedback. That really is it. And I think that's where the Ableton guys really, really kind of came top of the heap for quite a while and probably still do. I mean, they had that golden ticket thing, didn't they, where, you know, you submit the kind of best feature request and whatnot and they'll take you out and show you around the factory and stuff like that. And I think the key is just listening, constantly listening. And all right, you can filter some stuff out. And then conversely, there's another angle, which is uh, try and keep the sort of engineer feature creep to a minimum so just really trying to marry those two things i think is really key i mean it's very hard because i mean rich uh, well we all use you know we all have doors that we favor and i don't know how you know because we all have all also our own peculiarities of how we use it and how it fits into our work environment i mean how the hell do you manage that as a sort of to in improve without just ending up with this enormous great sort of slug of stuff behind you I, I, rich i mean you you know you've been with pro tools for a very long time you know and uh, used all the other major doors i mean what what do you think the, tr the trick is i don't know has anybody <laughs> figured it out well i'm not sure has either. Any, has anybody not done that i mean i think there comes a point in the life cycle of a single product where you find you do have to re-engineer it for whatever new platforms, new processors, new hardware. And then in doing so, you have to revisit all the ideas you made the first time to say, well, which ones are we going to hold on to dearly and which ones are we going to chuck? So, for example, came Logic 8. They had a dilemma because they wanted to emulate the single window workflow of a program like Ableton, but at the same time, they had this huge base of users who were used to screen sets and environment windows and all kinds of stuff that most of the rest of us like break out the holy water when it shows up. So um, they had to sort of cater to both. Did the overall size of the software and the amount of RAM it takes to run it actually increase or decrease? I don't know. But it seems to me that if you're lucky enough to have a product that has some legs, that's been around as long as Logic, as long as Cubase, as long as Pro Tools, as long as Performer has, that it's inevitable that you're just going to keep piling features in and every time you do, you can't rewrite the entire thing. So at various points along the way, you're going to have to sit down at a table full of designers and company people and probably investors and decide what you're keeping and what you're willing to give up, if anything, and, and then face the inevitable public square flogging from the users who've been used to using it in a certain way. Yeah, I mean, having been one of those users, um, but now seeing it after having this conversation with the guys at Sonar, I'm just thinking, gosh, actually, this is because they've done quite a big rewrite and a big um, kind of change of interface and what have you. And, they, you know, they do have a very big loyal base. I mean, I'm guessing Sonar is one of those doors that when people stick to it, it's because it's quite because it's platform dependent and all those things. I mean, it, it must be a very scary cliff to be at the top of. 
and figure out how to do that stuff. And, and obviously, you know, you've got people like uh, Personas with the, uh, is it Studio One? And um, there's other, you know, and Ableton, I guess, coming in as well, even though that's starting to get to a situation where it's been around for a while. I mean, how how you compete with somebody who's just coming and go, right, we're starting from scratch. This is how, how we're going to do it. I mean, that's the, that's the, I mean, that must be such an enormous challenge. I can't imagine why would anybody want to get into creating a door? I mean, is it that well, role? <laughs> many have started from scratch, but few have impacted workflow issues in the same way that the appearance of Ableton Live yeah. did, for example. Yeah, well, that's true. I think. But, but also, I mean, con- and, and concurrent to all of that and preceding that, the major DAWs, let's say who's left standing in the Mac world, it's Performer, it's Logic, it's Pro Tools, uh, it's Cubase, have all become they all look at each other and be, they've all become more similar yeah. over the course of time. I mean, Cubase and Logic were always somewhat similar anyway, but they were very different from Performer and they are still in some ways. But, but they all look at each other's features and say, oh, right, well, we need to do that now. And pretty soon they've all got very, very similar sets of features. And it's really just a question of going like that to get it done instead of going like this to get it done. But it's just it's but knowing it, you, you sort you do. sort of have to. I mean, that's the it's it's like a trap that I mean it, it seems to be an inescapable inevitability because the more if somebody else, if one of the competitors innovates, then you need to do something to keep your existing users and stop people buying that one instead of this one. I mean, it, it, Absolutely. Just, it's kind of like almost a, a and uh, one of the downsides of that whole competitive system. I mean, it's it's quite. It must be very I frustrating. I don't see it as a downside. No? I think we benefit. Yeah. I think we benefit because whichever software you're already using that you've decided you want to stick with is now going to do what that other one does too. Yeah, as long you don't have to consider <laughs> migrating your entire workflow well, life yeah. and to some other thing. As long as you didn't choose the wrong one, of course. <laughs> That's the problem. Well, they're pretty much all good. Yeah, I suppose. I mean, you know, I, I have my favorites. And, you know, in the 80s, I used Performer. After that, I used Synclavier. I was a Cubase tester for years and years. I use Pro Tools now. I've used Logic. I use Ableton now. It's, 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 they're all good. You can make good music on all of them. Mm. You can make good music on a QY10. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I mean, I think I think that you know, outside of the door thing, just that whole you know, because I'm mean, guessing Microsoft Word, Microsoft Office, you know, those kind of level applications that have been around for so long that they have to incorporate everything. They just become much more unwieldy to develop for. You know, I guess. But anyway, that's a problem that they will have to solve. I just thought it was an interesting discussion. But anyway, um, new logic updates and Sonar X One, obviously. Um, Stay tuned to Sonic State. We've got a video coming up which uh, is a bit different to the uh, to the stuff that you'll you'll have already seen. Um, obviously, AES this weekend. Uh, unfortunately, we can't make it, which I was a bit disappointed. I'd like to have gone, but uh, just just can't make it, unfortunately. Um, but that will all be coming out, no doubt, in the subsequent news and uh, reviews and what have you. Um, which might leave us a little bit of time just quickly to talk about MIDI over LAN. And this is something that I just came across um, the other day. I was teching a system for somebody. What they basically have is a PC that they were running Vienna Symphonic Library Server. Vienna, 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 oh, I can't pronounce it. The Pro Server version, basically, on a PC. So it's 64-bit, and it's got an Ethernet connection. And when you load the plugin into Logic, it, it tells the server what applications to load, sorry, what banks to stuff to load. So they talk to each other over Ethernet. The audio comes back in. Unfortunately, within Logic is absolutely unwieldy and a nightmare because if you've got two songs open you want to cut and paste from one to the other flipping between them just causes enormous amount of confusion between the uh, 
the host and the the VSLM server. So we decided to figure out another way of doing it. And one of them was to try and figure out how to do MIDI over LAN. And I have to say, I've never really come across this, but I uh, this company called Music Lab, D1, and it works absolutely brilliantly, very low latency. So what we do now is we're running the uh, Vienna Symphonic Library Pro standalone in the PC, light pipes back into the Mac. So he's got 32 channels of or 24 channels of light pipes coming back controlled over MIDI over LAN. It's just a plug-in that it's just a MIDI driver. You get 16 ports in this basic version on each machine and there's no latency as far as I can tell. And it just seemed like, wow, why haven't, why haven't I come across this before? I mean, it just seems like maybe you could probably use this over, I don't know whether you could use it over internet because I think it uses something called UDP, which is a slightly different protocol, but might check it out. Have you ever um, had to deal with this, Dave? But it just seems like, wow, yeah, no more USB MIDI interfaces, nothing. Just chuck the whole lot over Ethernet. Fantastic, as far as I can tell. Yeah, no, it looks very neat. No, I haven't, actually. I haven't dealt with it. I haven't had to deal with it at all. But I was reading up on this, which is why I was late with my homework on everything else, actually. And it does look very, very intriguing. It's, not, it's not particularly cheap. I mean, it's 129 bucks for a two-machine license with... 16 MIDI ports, but you can get up to 64 MIDI ports, and then you buy licenses as twos, four, eight, you know, but it starts to add up. But, I mean, the thing is, is I could imagine you could quite easily set it up, you know, because it works between Mac and PC pretty seamlessly. You know, you have a whole bunch of virtual instruments in a VST host just sitting there, and it's kind of like, hmm, yeah, okay. Yeah. Now, this starts to make sense that I could have a workstation sitting there just as a DSP expander. I mean, no, it's not necessarily brand new because I know that uh, uh, Muse Receptor have been doing their Uniwire thing where they return audio at the same time. Uh, I've not had any experience with that. But also, uh, I'd, we did try and set up the Audio Impressions uh, audio port, which was very promising, it, but that links the audio and the MIDI at the same time. But that just didn't quite work out. It wasn't quite robust enough in that particular environment. And this just seems to be rock solid. So, I mean, it took me ages to figure it out, but it's a great, a great idea. A MIDI over LAN, um, KiwiFan says MIDI mm-hmm. over LAN is built into Mac OS X. That's true, but it doesn't let you, you still need something on the PC side to understand what it's coming from. If you were doing Mac to Mac, though, you wouldn't need any additional software. Ah, okay. Which I think what his point was, right. and that's true. And I know somebody who's been doing it for years. Oh. Um, and in terms of Mac and PC, I never did the MIDI down the down the Ethernet cable. I used to have a separate MIDI interface coming off the Mac, feeding the PC, and the PC would feed digitally back into my Mac interface. And it, the, I used to use uh, what Giga Sampler and some yeah. other things that way. This is what this guy yeah. used to use. He used to give us Giga Studio, yeah. and, and, and 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 I know people who use VSL this way. And uh, actually, they say it's the only way to fly if you're going to try to use that thing. Well, it seems to be because you could. The thing is, is if you're doing the whole thing over Ethernet with audio as well, you're stuck with um, setting the latency size, the the buffer in your. Uh, in your host sequencer to a size that can handle the delay of the audio coming back around trip. Whereas if you do it this way, it's just a straight digital light pipes in. It seems to be a, a much better environment. The thing about the uh, Vienna Symphonic Library is you can also, in, on the PC side, from what I saw, you can run VST plugins within that environment. So you can create an entire setup all your instruments, very nice uh, stereo imaging and, and uh, bussing and all sorts of, and also yeah. run additional VST instances within mm-hmm. it as well. So it's kind of a, a super-duper VST host. And it just struck yeah. me as like, wow, this seems like a pretty ideal solution. I'd never really seen it before. And uh, I used to run some lovely GeForce plugins that way. Uh-huh. Occasionally. <laughs> I did. And it worked. 
course. <laughs> Hell yeah. Sounded great. I can recommend it, though. I, I just wanted to share that because, cool. I, I mean, I don't often get, you know, out in the field and, and do much teching work. This seemed to be something that, because I was asked to solve the problem, and, and unfortunately I did, it did but this just seems like a particularly elegant way. There are some other ones. There's uh, IP MIDI, which didn't kind of, wasn't quite as, as happy uh, on the Mac side, worked fine on the PC side. But the, the yeah, the musiclab.com one seemed to work the best as far as I could tell. So I can uh, thoroughly recommend that. If you're looking for a solution, you don't want to u- utilize your old PC if you move into Mac and, and run some stuff on there. Seems like a very good way of doing it. But I just wanted yeah. to share that, and uh, I'm glad we got that fitted in. Um, well, more than fitted in. I thought that uh, I thought we were going to run out of time today, but um, we haven't, have we? <laughs> so what should we do now? No, uh, if anyone's got anything to add, um, please please feel free. Otherwise, uh, I think we're probably um, heading towards almost the end of the show. Well, I don't recall if I've updated you on my uh, little card swap adventures. Oh, yeah, of course. Please do. Um, well, I, I, I guess uh, I may have told you that I decided to sell my third Pro Tools Excel card That's right. in order to free up a slot for the UAD2 Quad uh, Omni package from uh, Universal Audio. And I did all of that, and uh, it's wonderful. I, can't, I, haven't got, I haven't got a single gripe. <laughs> I think oh, really? it's a great thing to do. Absolutely. It's great. And what's the, the, what's the inter-application RTAS kind of TDM latency you know, translation? Are there any issues there? Uh, no, I believe it's compensated for automatically within Pro Tools HD. And then for software in which it's not compensated automatically, like say Pro Tools LE, they include some kind of automatic time adjuster plugin that you basically put first in any tracks plugin complement and it will calculate and adjust the tracks for you. It basically kind of introduces plugin compensation, latency compensation for those softwares that don't provide it in circumstances. Have you tried running any of the UAD stuff on real-time inputs, or is that not something that you've had an opportunity with yet? I haven't tried to, and I don't typically use plugins on real-time inputs. Okay. Unless the plugin is the real-time input, like in the case of a VI or something. But I, I, um, I think it's because it runs out of an RTAS VST wrapper, I think I, I have to check in Pro Tools HD, but I know in LE it's illegal. You can't do it. You basically right. have to create an aux fader through which to play the, the audio so that you – before the audio track. You know, in other words, you could do it with an aux fader and a bus, but uh, in yeah. LE – I'm not sure how that would work in HD, and I haven't tried it because, it's, again, it's not something I typically do. I do all my analog stuff on the way in. But it means that now you've got access to this huge pile of new, of new plugins that uh, presumably you weren't accessing before. Yes. So yes, absolutely. Just out of interest, does it equate – so you lost the TDM card, but you've gained a UAD 4X, right? Right. What's the sort of um, the balance of power, if you like? I mean, does the UAD I give don't... you more – I don't really know. I assume it does, but I don't really know. I mean, it, it, it gives you a lot of instances of a lot of things, but I don't know the exact numbers, and I don't really know a good way to compare them unless you just want to get down to some paper and figure out whatever there are six or seven of on a Pro Tools HD card and, and on paper compare that to four shark chips of whatever type they use in the UAD. You know, like I, I, in other words, I don't know, but, but it's plenty. It's a lot. I, I'm 
it really has expanded the palette of things that I do. And once I realized that I could pretty much run my whole Pro Tools rig in RTAS anyway, except for a couple of things that don't run there, then uh, it didn't become a concern lose, giving up the third Pro Tools card because you don't lose any voices and you gain all this UA stuff. Interestingly, second thought in the chat room has just gone back to uh, saying Pro Tools 9. Apparently, uh, the Air Users blog has uh, announced there's going to be an exclusive scoop uh, released today. So uh, maybe that'll change everything for me, Rich. <laughs> for the better, I hope. <laughs> well, I don't imagine it's going to make me regret doing what I've done. No. And uh, in, a, in a sort of tangentially related vein, I'm seeing uh, previews of various 500 series API-style modules coming out from Neve and from Rupert Neve Designs. And I think there's going to be a whole bunch of that kind of stuff showing up at this AES. Yeah, I sort of, oh, man, I think because I'd, I'd actually checked the flights and, you know, I was thinking, well, maybe it would be worth going over. And it, they've come down and it's much cheaper to go to San Francisco at the moment than it was that it will be to go to Nam. Um, so I, I, I daren't look again because I've got to go filming tomorrow, so I'm not going to be able to make a flight anyway. But uh, it sounds like uh, it could be a good visit. You're not going, are you, Rich, by any chance? No, it turns out I'm not. No, no, I typically don't go to the ones that are outside of New York. I typically wait for the New York one. Yeah, well, it's going to be, be a red eye for you, wouldn't it, across there? So, oh No, it doesn't have to be, but whatever. It, it's not the flights so much as just I have other I have Yeah, stuff to do. I have to go away this weekend uh, to see my kids perform in a marching band championship. Cool. Well, that's far yeah. more important anyway, isn't it? It is. It is. Because you know what? I can get almost any gear shipped to me, <laughs> but, I can't, but I can't get that shipped to me. No, no that's true. <laughs> Well, I'm going to have to uh, keep my eyes peeled for the Pro Tools 9 announcement and see what that could possibly mean. Um, but anyway, uh, that's good. Thank you very much for uh, all of that extra input, and thank you very much to our guests. Uh, this has been Sonic Talk number 195. Only five more weeks to go till the uh, the big 200. Um, appreciate you uh, joining us, both of you, and uh, also my guests in the chat room. I'm very pleased to have you. I'm, I'm the guest that only really uh, we need to come up with some kind of title for the show. I don't know if any of you would like to fire a few ideas up while I'm uh, saying my introductions to uh, to, my, to my guests. But uh, at this point, um, I want to say thank you very much to my live guests. Uh, first of all, I want to say thank you to Rich Hilton uh, for joining us this week. Much appreciated. It was my pleasure as always. And also to Dave Spears from G4Software.com. When I find myself in times of trouble, Mother Mary comes to me. Sometimes I feel like I don't have a partner. I'm started with the man in the mirror. Can you feel the love tonight? I come from a land down under. Once a jolly swagman can't buy a billabong Do I cry too much? Am I too outspoken? Take a 